Enrollment is open for Thomas's upcoming six-session live online course, Navigating the Levels of Trauma Healing. Explore how to work with the impacts of collective crises and challenges and learn tools to manage anxiety, overwhelm, and nervous system dysregulation during times of accelerated change and disruption. In this all-new curriculum, Thomas and expert guest speakers will engage in ecosystemic practices to collectively explore our resilience, agency, and capacity to stay present and find deeper meaning. Click the link in our show notes to learn more and enroll. Or go to www.navigatingthelevelsoftrauma.com. Welcome to Point of Relation with Thomas Hubel, a podcast that illuminates the path to collective healing at the intersection of science and mysticism. In his conversations with visionaries, innovators, artists, and healers, Thomas invites guests into a relational experience that allows inspiration and innovation to emerge. This is the point of relation. The following interview was recorded during a previous Collective Trauma Summit, an online gathering convened annually by Thomas Hubel to share ideas and inspire action for healing individual, ancestral, and collective trauma. Visit CollectiveTraumaSummit.com to listen to featured talks from our most recent summit and sign up to be the first to know when the next summit is announced. Called the most intriguing African-American Buddhist by Library Journal, Rev. Angel Kyoto Williams has been bridging the worlds of transformation and justice since her critically acclaimed book, Being Black, Zen and the Art of Living with Fearlessness and Grace, was hailed as an act of love by Pulitzer Prize winner Alice Walker and a classic by Buddhist pioneer Jack Kornfield. Rev. Angel applies wisdom teachings and embodied practice and is a leading voice for transformative social change. Welcome back to the Collective Trauma Summit. My name is Thomas Hubel. My heartfelt pleasure, it's really heartfelt to uh, welcome a Reverend uh, Angel, Kyodo Williams. So Rev. Angel, warm welcome. I'm so happy to see you. I'm very happy to see you too. It's been, it's been some time. Yes, yes. I had such a joy. You came on and I felt, wow, it's so lovely. It's lovely seeing you. And um, since we didn't talk for a long time now, um, maybe you can tell me a little bit uh, what's kind of, what are you on fire about right now? So what's your leading edge in your work that really sparks your own, you know, interest and exploration? And maybe we can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, over the course of the the pandemic that we have all shared some experience with, um, we unexpectedly started a little sitting group that we just thought, well, you know, people need some kind of way to navigate what they are working with. Uh, you know, it was very early on and we just figured, you know, two weeks maybe and Two and uh, plus years later, uh, we have this lovely sitting group uh, that has uh, extended itself into lots of other spaces, uh, incredibly diverse, a very, very uh, wide range of people, backgrounds, ages, uh, races, um, 
you know, genders, expressions, uh, all from people from uh, pretty, I would say North American centric, but people all over the world uh, still. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that has been absolutely uh, lovely. I was sharing with them just last night that, you know, this is something that was truly a co-creation. I could say that I started it, but it was co-created not only by uh, the people that help and help hold the space and the people that show up, you know, all of the days, it's like six days a week, but it's, it's also created, co-created by the conditions. And it, fe- it feels so uh, like such a truth about how we can be resilient uh, with practice uh, in the face of difficulty, in the face of challenge. I frankly don't believe that we would have been able to come together in this way and stick it through if it had not been for the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So that's been very exciting. And, uh, and it also uh, brought me around to my, what it feels like the you know really big juicy project that I'm working on right now is that I just stepped into the role of, uh, maybe, maybe it's, <laughs> I, I say it's a CEO and I say, if people want to think it's chief executive officer, they can think so, but it's chief enlightenment officer of a company <laughs> called <laughs> of a company called Mindful um, that that was closed. Their their physical locations were closed by the pandemic, and we uh, I helped them cr- helped cr- create a training. And so, um, you know, this notion that we can engage practice online has just been a, a tremendous. Um, boon for me to to come to understand and to give room for it and you know and not be so uh rigid that like it all has to happen you know directly and in person and that's a testimony to hear Mm. what we're doing right now exactly oh wow that's amazing maybe you can speak a little bit since you you have a long-term practice and when we look at the world we see more and more disruption we see many challenges than there were before also but now i think we are facing more and more collective pressure and like how does our practice because there's trauma and collective trauma and all that we're going to talk about in a minute but then there is the practice like a resourcing from a deeper spiritual or contemplative practice to do that work well and so maybe you can speak a little bit how they two are because you combine them beautifully in your own path yeah you know it's kind of um unexpected you know we have a culture you know especially in the west that is considered very self-centered um, and, uh, and many times, you know, we have practices and come out of traditions, myself, you know, included that is talking about no self and how do we like, you know, like let the self, you know, go away. And my experience has been that actually it is the other way around and that what we need to do is to give people permission and the conditions and, and the, um, the, the resources to be able to actually work with them themselves uh, that actually we're we're not whole selves oftentimes uh, we're fragmented uh, by trauma by the, the you know the not just the trauma of ordinary um, you know the, the ways that life happens but but really you know the cultural conditions that it is that are amplified and in by way of these divisions and 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 you know politics and wars that we see that those things actually show up and if we're not able to uh have permission to really try to find a sense of wholeness through our own in our own personal practice then we can't be good contributors uh to an understanding of and a healing of collective trauma or collective anything for that matter. Uh, too often we we are 
we leave ourselves out of the sense of collective, not in a way that is just about like, oh, it's all about me, but rather I'm, I'm also part of the collective. And so my healing is necessary in order for me to be a contributor. And I think many of us that are in lots of spiritual practices are kind of avoiding mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the deep personal work that has to, that has to be done under the guise of being selfless. Uh, and, mm. and, and that I think is, is a, is a misstep for us. Mm. Right. Right. And so when we take that now and we look, okay, trauma in a way also hurts our belonging, hurts our sense of relationships, hurts our communal health, hurts many things or collective trauma. So when, when we, when you speak maybe a little bit about belonging, restoring belonging, how do we create, because our summit this year is also how do we create a collective healing movement? So it's more about the we together, you know, as a movement create healing in the world. So maybe you can speak a little bit about belonging, restoring belonging, how collective containers are important for collective healing. You do it from the from the um, lens that you've been doing it and, you know, brought it through beautifully. I think that we have under um, under explained or given, a, you know, having a conversation about the ways in which systems of power and depression, uh, you know, wars that impact us, uh, cultural ways of uh, of doing things that oppress, you know, the wholeness of people or divide people. The, the way the mechanism works is actually to undermine our sense of belonging mm. uh, or corrupt. I want to say corrupt our sense of belonging. So in other words, in order to belong to what is kind of the club of a culture and a cultural way of doing things and the, you know, like this, these are the norms and this is how you should be if you want to belong. What we do is we end up giving up our sense of what I call an own belonging, right? A, a, a trueness to ourselves and honoring, an honoring of ourselves and the uniqueness that we have. Um, and that creates a, an, an incredible fracture. And I think that 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 gives rise to an underlying, very, very persistent experience of low-level trauma. Sometimes it is becomes more acute, but I think everyone that has to labor under the experience of whether it is a broad culture or within one's own family or within one's own community, this sense of having to exchange you, one's uh, trueness to oneself, one's own belonging for belonging to something that is uh, ex- external to oneself, even if it's your family, even if it's your family. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but certainly, you know, through nation states and political divisions and so on. Um, you know, I've spoken many times around that the core mechanism of the divi- divisions of peoples uh, by way of race, particularly along the binaries of black and white in the United States, was exactly uh organized by undermining people's sense of belonging. If you wanted to belong to this nation, the new forming nation as a person in a you know so-called white body, then you had to reject these other peoples, uh, indigenous peoples and African peoples and so on. And so that corruption of our belonging is uh, is 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 deeply wounding. 
um, and it makes it is a it is a lever for our continued the continued divisions that occur, and so people can kind of pull on that sense of you know are you the are you the real American you know are you uh, are you really um, you know uh, what is the the word that they're always using you know if you're if you uh, true to if you're patriotic and you know true to your country, and so it's actually pulling on this underlying sense of belonging that is deeply human, uh, but is actually being corrupted by, by those views. So now in that kind of cultural fragmentation that hurt our belonging over long periods of time, um, how, what can we do? What do you see in your work? Like, how can we restore belonging? Because I think the interdependence of an individual and the collective as a fluid space, mm -hmm. you know, that we, that, we are, that we are all of it, basically, as you said at the beginning, that is kind of often restricted through traumatic aspects. But then when we liquefy those, we find, we, we find back to that. And I think the, the collective um understanding of healing like that we do that stuff kind of together in bigger groups and we learn maybe you can speak about how do we collectively restore our collective hurt belonging uh we work on that so that it's that we feel we can restore yeah i think a very big part of it is actually being able to uh work through and with us, you know, some of the, the the hurt and experience that we have by in in collective with other people that are also working through those things and by naming them and giving uh, a shape to them and uh, rather than taking them on as like this is somehow my own because uh, this is in in many ways that's the way the corruption work it kind of divides us and it creates the sense of like whatever is happening to me is individual right mm -hmm. uh, we experience it personally but it's not individual all of these uh, kind of larger systems or or even smaller systems that work upon us work upon us in in ways. Uh, that are personal, but not individual, because as you said, we, we are part of the collective and there is this interdependence and there is this way, the ways in which our family shapes us can, uh, you know, inadvertently give rise to, to wounding. And so by being able to be in spaces with other people that are doing the work of uh, naming that uh, allowing themselves to own the truth of it and then coming to recognize that, oh, this is not a, uh, it, it, ex I experience it uniquely, but it, I'm not the only one having that experience. And then we find our sense of relationality uh, through our suffering, through the pain and traumas that we experience rather than trying to hide them away or push them away or pretend that they, they don't exist. And you know, through that sitting group that we have, we call it the no, no big deal sit. <laughs> and, uh, because when we started it, you know, people was sort of, I was like, look, we don't want any kind of, you know, special ways of being. We don't want people to posture. You just come as you are. And that was the first tenant. And so it's, it's no big deal. Like, however it is that you are, uh, you know, in your pajamas, you know, have maybe haven't showered for a few days. Um, if you come in a little, coming in late or so on, like, it's no big deal like what we're doing is really being ordinary. And in that practice of people uh, slowly coming to realize that they could bring the whole of themselves, the wounded parts of themselves, the like not together part of themselves, uh, paradoxically 
healing began to occur and they felt themselves and experienced themselves more whole as a result of the collective and simultaneously could be more could be more true to the collective and, and feel themselves a part of the collective. And so both things are operating. The, the collective is strengthened by the person's in by the in uh, individual personal healing that happens and people are healed by the fact mm -hmm. of the collective being uh you know the collective container being strong enough and resilient enough to be able to manage and hold space for the the journey that we work through through our healing. Mm, that's so beautiful. And that's exactly how I also experienced it and framed it very beautifully. It's lovely. It's great. It, it's a beautiful process to see how this how these collectives uh, evolve through the healing, you know, with every healing that's so beautifully put. Yeah. And living in an in an in a system of ongoing racial injustice and ongoing traumatization, and at the same time trying to find ways how to heal, heal that and, and develop healing. So there's healing within a traumatizing environment. And can you speak a little bit your experience to that, like the complexity of, you know, being in an environment where my defense mechanisms are actually needed, when in fact, in the healing work, I'm resourcing myself to soften those and to integrate the prior trauma. But the, the, so that's a complex process. And yeah. I would love to hear how you experience that. Yeah, it is quite complex. You know, I once had this conversation with a, with a, a Zen teacher, senior senior teacher, and uh, she was saying something to me about, you know, working with a black student. And she said, well, you know, I would really, uh, I really want her, her to work with her self-esteem. And I looked and I said, I was like, you know, black people don't get self-esteem. <laughs> We, we have always uh, a, rep, a reference by, by the collective. We are uh, moved through our lives from the beginning to, the, to end, referenced upon and referencing ourselves as a part of a collective. And so uh, the result of that is, is, as you said, is that there are times in which it is uh, helpful for our healing to be able to uh, soften, and yet we uh, have to navigate the fact that there is an underlying sense of threat or lack of safety in so many different spaces, and you don't know where it arises. And it's not a lack of safety because you are you, and you did a particular thing, or you, you know, you did something questionable, but rather because of the body that you inhabit. And so this is, uh, it, it's very nuanced. It's something that we're, you know, really just beginning to start to tease apart that there is, uh, we are simultaneously one and there, there, is, there are also uh, extraordinary differences as a result of cultural shaping of such a history of trauma and, and, um, and, and division and impact on, on particular peoples um, that there are, uh, uh, certain ways in which healing un unfolds that that is uh, I wouldn't just say like it's like um, especially complex and, and and entangled so that uh, healing processes therapeutic processes they're they're not neutral they're not just like this is how this happens it's like this this happens in different ways and we have to navigate a different set of circumstances as a result of living inside of a larger collective that has imposed certain shapings upon us as a result of you know our our so-called racial category 
Uh, and so what we have, um, one of the things that's quite particular, and I'm, I'm sure many people have heard, is we talk about work of like affinity groups or caucusing that allows uh, people that identify in particular categories, be that race or you know gender or uh, being a trans or some other kind of identity, can begin the work in a sort of smaller subset of people of uh, at least perceived shared experience by that larger that those larger sets of um, conditions that are imposed upon them, uh, and that begins to allow people to to recognize that they're not alone. That you know that 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 their experience is not alone, but also how ne how necessary it is to give voice to those things. Our work has been uh, in this in this sit has been all kinds of uh, races of people, and there have literally been moments where I've seen and heard black people come and say, "I've never been felt so seen in my life than being in this space," and and that is incredible because. Uh, there is a need for people to be seen and recognized specifically amongst their racial categories and so forth. That may be true, but also the special, uh, especially poignant thing that happened is that people in uh, racial categories such as black were actually being seen and felt they were being seen by white people, by Latino people. And that had another level of healing that is about the larger collective and the way that even within our own healing inside of categories and so on and so forth of so-called likeness, there is something deep in us in terms of our sense of belonging to humanity that will still yearn to be seen, to be honored, to be witnessed, to be able to be whole in the presence of people that are not like us. That's actually a part of our sense of healing. And, and what I'm saying is that healing that is dependent upon us only being with the same types of people, as necessary as that may be from, for some initial sense of safety, will always be incomplete mm -hmm. if we can't see ourselves as part of the whole of humanity eventually. Mm, I love that. I love that. Given I listen to you, it rings very true. And it's it's lovely because when I when I you know I often say like when I look at you now like uh, Rev Angel in Thomas has an intra existence in Thomas and vice versa and when we can see each other we confirm each other's existence within each other so that this is a very beautiful intimate space and it speaks very much to what you said it's so beautiful how you put it yeah that's lovely. You know, Thomas, I just want to say that, you know, I, I was listening to you and like allowing uh, what you just said to really settle in. And and in that moment, there there arose like the, it, you know, we say this word healing and it's like bells and whistles and fireworks are going to go off. There was just a moment of healing that just occurred just when you said that and spoke about this intimacy between us. And I felt that, that kind of like landing of that sense of like, oh yes, I feel that intimacy as well with you. And I don't know why, and I don't know, I don't have to know why, but the fact that you were, you, you recognize that, um, it, it it's like it um, sealed, right? Some some kind of place in that that felt that feels uh you know maybe questioning or not an active like oh I'm wondering and I'm not wondering like does he like me or something like that, but just this like am, am I being seen? 
and and so when you when you said that that's that reflection back you know that you're being seen that you're being experienced that another human being is holding you in regard and sees you as they as they see themselves not as if we are the same person but see but is but as allowing a clear seeing that that healing right that that in that moment that there there is a there is a healing of of something that doesn't even know that it needs to be healed. Uh, and, and I felt that and was pausing and, and resting in, in that. And I think we all hold that and we, we hold that yearning uh, deeply in any given moment in the presence of other human beings. If we can allow ourselves to be open enough, we, we will recognize that we actually in, in each moment have a desire to be seen and to be uh, regarded, you know, for our humanity, and and that healing comes about in any in any moment that that happens. Hmm. It's beautiful that you came back to it and that you expanded on it. It's beautiful, and also I also felt it. It also touched me, and um, and um, and it also speaks. You spoke beautifully to that we we need it, but also we are the ones they can provide it and that we are both you know at the same time like uh, that's that spoke to how, what's my actually my awareness of my surrounding what's my awareness of the people that i interact with every day and how do i how fully do it or presently do i bring myself uh, so that's, yeah yeah thank you so when we look at that now how can we expanded like when like what do you think is our ways how to create like a movement like a collective healing movement we all see that it's needed i mean if if you look at dealing with political polarization climate change racial injustice like there are so many things where the systems are kind of distorted and hurt and are being hurt again and again so we need a kind of a collective answer, but how can we become a collective answer? I, I believe that it's something, it lies in that recognition of the yearning that we have to be uh, to be seen. And the more deeply we are in touch with our, uh, an understanding and an intimate, intimate with our, with our own yearning to be seen, you know, that uh, m- maybe there's a moment when I said that, that some of you felt like, well, I don't, you know, I don't want to be seen by this person or that person, or if, you know, there's a police officer and they're aggressive, I'm not wanting to be seen. I, I don't think that's true. I, I think that we are wanting to be seen in any given moment and our our sense of, you know, fear for our safety, um, wondering whether the person might, you know, bring about harm to us or if we can trust them. Uh, obscures that, but at the but underlying, and that's part of why we feel so wounded. Uh, in and and the divisions grow greater and greater is because there's a sense of not being seen. Uh, whatever your political persuasion or wherever you lie on the spectrum of you know of of politics or parties or whatever, uh, at the end of the day, I think there is we we there is a sense of like, well, I'm. I'm trying to create the conditions for myself of safety. I may be doing it in a way that you don't agree with, but ultimately that is what human beings are, are trying to do. Uh, there are 
you know, we could get into like things like power and money and grabs like that, but I'm talking about the human to human connection. And when we have a perception that that is not happening, that someone is not able to see us, not willing to see us, not willing to hear what it is that we're, we're yearning for, then those divisions uh, grow and they amplify. And then you have systems of, of, of power in which people are leveraging Right. People talk about culture wars. They're leveraging those fears so that they're more and more amplified. And so there's actually very few kind of uh, people pulling the strings of trying to leverage that for their own you know, advantages of power and so on. But most of us are just trying to figure out mm-hmm. uh, how how we can um be honored uh, in in whatever it is that our truth is. And the ground that seems so disparate, there's such a, a huge gap for us to, to cross is impossible if we don't begin somewhere in that acknowledgement for ourselves. So I think that the way that we create a movement uh, is by being the movement, right? by, by having that moment where I can say, oh, Thomas, you know, you just said that, that, that thing to me and I felt this experience of healing you know, and, and, and a sweetness and an intimacy. And I allow myself to have that. And by allowing myself to have that and to experience that and acknowledge it, I can see it more readily. I can, I can feel it more readily in others. And, and as you said, I then feel um, the, the sheer power of what it means to be human and to be able to offer that to other people, right. To just, to be in a supermarket on the bus, uh, you know, and just offer kindness in a moment in which we might otherwise contract. And, and my definition of suffering is contraction, right? And and that, and so when we can catch ourselves contracting and notice, oh, I'm contracting in this moment. What would it be like if we can just settle in and return to our to our belly, to the solidity of uh, of our own of our own being and uh, and allow ourselves to give a little bit more space uh, for the for whoever that is in front of us them to for them to be themselves and we can be ourselves just a, if, even just a little more you know we we get very extreme and we want it all solved at once it's like you just the movement is just like a little more it's movement right it's not mm-hmm. getting from here to there all of a sudden it's like a little bit of movement and so we can we can be the movement. Um, by simply allowing ourselves to soften just a little bit in any given moment in which we notice contraction arising in us with contraction, withholding, right? Receding, pulling away uh, when we can notice that. And of course that requires practice, right? To just just be able to, to notice, right? And then to have the will, the intention, the, you know, the vow, uh, however it is you put it to, to, to respond to our, the awareness of our suffering, the awareness of our contraction. Mm. And then, and then, you know, it, it unfolds quite naturally. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. So what I hear is also like how in everyday life, such a, like actually in every moment of our life, we are the movement, you know, if there's not the movement and then, I, <laughs> then I do other things, but that we, we are every moment and, and every interaction is part of, of it. So that's, uh, that's or, or we're the anti-movement, you know, I mean, and that's the truth. There isn't, there, there isn't a neutral, right. In any, in any given moment, we are either, you know, uh, you know, leaning and allowing, allowing love, right. Or we're 
uh, restricting and and, uh, and 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 calling forth fear, and and we have an opportunity that moment to just kind of hang out in the fear or to yield to the possibility of of our yearning or connection or love, whatever word it is that you want to want to uh, allow for it, and and the moment that we touch it and we notice the the healing, mm-hmm. you know, movement has occurred. That's beautiful, right? We're right on on the energy itself that's very beautiful you know we're not talking about it it's it's that what's that which happening is is being spoken so that's a very beautiful way also of uh being that movement yeah and i i think that that's also so important for us in our quest for healing you know for collective healing is you know it's 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 lovely to talk about it um and if we let the talking about it and the idea of it, the ideation of it surpass the direct experience, then, then we will have missed it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We, like there it is. It could be arising in, in that moment. And we're, you know, more thinking about it and like, how do I get to it? And, uh, you know, set back and feel yourself. I, I, I speak about this idea of getting, uh, creating the conditions. Right. And so, well, the conditions are getting quiet enough to hear yourself and still enough to feel yourself. And when you can create those conditions, whatever practice it is that allows you to create the conditions for a direct experience of what is arising in you, then you have the opportunity to take action by way of either allowing or uh, restricting yourself, right? That, in, and, and we're all responsible that way. There's not someone out there that is going to, you know, Thomas is lovely <laughs> and Thomas is not responsible for, you know, our collective healing. You know, you're bringing about uh, incredible voices that will bring different angles and, and talk about things that will strike our hearts. But at the end of the day, if each of us in that moment, that opportunity that is right there in front of you with your child, your lover, your parent, um, the, 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 you know, the big guy that I sat next to on a, on an airplane. And I was, you know, sure that he was going to like mansplain all over the place. And, and instead at some point I looked up and he was moving the, the, the blanket carefully to make sure that I didn't get awakened. And, and he wasn't at all who, you know, if you looked at it from externally, who he could have been. And we had this moment of, intimacy and sweetness and healing uh, simply from seeing each other. And if I was closed off to that, then uh, it wouldn't have happened. And the movement would have uh, taken those that one step back. So we are that movement in any given moment. It, it isn't happening someplace. It's not on a, you know, a voting card. It's not on a, we should vote. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, but it's not on a in a politician's office, it's not about who gets voted or not voted or what what policies occur. It's really about how we show up in each moment and whether or not we will we are willing to commit ourselves to take this very small actions within our own beings to allow healing to occur for ourselves and to uh, mm. to witness each other to see yeah. and be seen. Yeah, so deeply resonate with what you say is <laughs> it's so true. You know, I, I I spoke with the poet David White for the summit, and he said a beautiful sentence. He said, "When we when we heal, 
our voice becomes revelatory. You know that like what then we're not talking about, in my words, I would say we're not talking about, we are talking from, so we are splitting it because we're not separate inside anymore. So our words are what, what we are, is what we say. And I, a lot in, in when I listen to you, I feel the, the directness of the words and your energy reaching me while we speak. And uh, it seems it just lands in me. You know, it's just a, a landing. Uh, so that's very beautiful. And it speaks also to, to what you shared. Like that's also my experience when I listen to you. I, I, and I think that that's why when I saw you, I felt the same way, you know, that, that quality. And, that, and what you're saying is so important because in a vast quagmire of, you know, climate crises and human, the crisis of human beings upon the planet and our disregard for, you know, treating the earth as, uh, as a place that we live and love and need to be and wars and so on, it can feel very much like, well, how is that going to help? <laughs> Like, how is that going to help? So great. You and Thomas are like gazing at each other. And that's very sweet. But, yeah. but how is that going to help? And what you just said is exactly the truth. It's when we ask those questions, they arise from the place that is uh, con contracted right and and whole and fearful because and the fear is there's nothing wrong with having the fear. It's it is the fear is evidence of the yearning. The fear that we have that something is not going to work out is evidence of our yearning. And so, in fact, when people are re resistant or, you know, they push back with things that I say, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're the most desirous of it. Right. You're the most desiring of connection. You're the most desiring of um, of of that yearning and, and recognizing that yearning. And so it's a good thing to have that sense of uh, fear, but also to recognize that at, that is evidence of your, of your yearning. And what Thomas said about, you know, you, you become, you speak from it. It, it, when you're shifting internally, then you are, you are the transmission of that healing. Mm -hmm. And uh, until that is, true for us and that's maybe difficult for many of us to hear until that is true until we're working with ourselves in that way so that we have our own direct experience of oh yes i feel what that is in me i feel when i'm talking about something and talking from something and then you'll you'll be able to witness the alchemy of that transmission happening and creating healing and then the question of like how does that happen uh, will be less of a question. It'll become apparent to you that uh, that you carry the the torch of whatever it is that is needed for your particular space. That you don't have to necessarily go and try to solve all of the problems of the world, but you can be healing mm -hmm. uh, in in the spaces and environments that you inhabit, wherever it is that you live and and love. And I have watched that for the last uh, couple years in this space with these people, uh, you, you know, I would say once upon a time, I knew it in my heart, but I didn't have enough. And I knew it in my own experience. But what I have done over the last couple of years is I have had the opportunity to watch uh, 
we're, we're generally anywhere from 30 to 50 people, sometimes upwards of 80 people every day create the conditions of healing for themselves and with other people. And off, most often without my intervention. So this is not about like there has to be this teacher there that is doing things and telling people special things. It is that there are sufficient conditions. There's enough commitment to, to the conditions of healing and liberation for each person that they have allowed for enough space and room for the healing and liberation of the other people that are there with them. And I've watched it for two years with an incredible diversity of human beings, no shared tradition, no shared culture, no shared anything really other than this commitment. Mm, that's very beautiful. It's also very uh, heartwarming to watch I, I think that the fact that you can witness that and that it starts to happen by itself, that's so heartwarming because that that sounds to me so true that systems start to heal themselves and the right conditions are being, you know, when there's the right environment. Well, I know that I have watched, you know, um, and visited in spaces and watched that kind of healing unfolding. And it's not as far as it can feel like it is right now. And in, in, in so many ways, we may have to experience actually a little bit more pain in order to deepen our commitment to the, the um, you know, to stepping into the, the, the uncomfortable places of that healing requires of us. Uh, I hope it won't have to get too bad. Uh, but but we are we are we are we are all uh, responsible for our for our collective healing, and we are all the collective. That's true. You said something else that I want to underline. That's also beautiful. Is that nobody needs to save the entire planet, but every one of us does. There, you know, we all do our gardening, <laughs> and then the flowers. You know, the whole uh, planet can flourish. But we need to do our gardening. If we don't do that, then the plants around us are not growing, and that's uh, um, that's important. That's a beautiful framing. One question I had just before, when you look at, you know, you're doing your work already for a longer time and you you can see already like a trajectory, for example, in the United States. Um, what are the things that you see are changing? Because we see often, and also the news are full of, you know, all the stuff that seems to be problematic and 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 of course that's also true except it's being changed but then there there are many things that are happening that are really beautiful like when you speak about your group and when you see people flourishing and they touch other people and they, that starts flourishing and so how do you see in the, the over the time that over the course that you do your work what did you see is changing or shifting mm -hmm. that touched you or that you recognize oh it's beautiful that that's happening yeah you know i have a body of work called radical dharma i wrote a, a book uh, by that name and out of that book uh radical dharma talking race love and liberation a body of work emerged in which we went into spaces. We said, you know, it's great to have a you know book and read about it. And, you know, please do, you know, get the book and read about it. Um, but it is important that we have direct experience. And so we created what we call experiences, uh, one of which 
uh, we have had is called camp and people go to it's like a camp um, and and we come together and kind of just get thrown in. And over the course of the years prior to the pandemic, through the pandemic and up until now, uh, we just had three camps over the summer. I have seen so much more willingness on people's part to grapple with the challenging questions of what it is that divides us. I have seen so much more willingness. Um, I, I attribute this to the pandemic and the and the uprisings uh, around the, the murder of George Floyd in the United States um, in, as, as particular catalyst. It's not the only thing, but particular catalyst for this. But I have seen so much more willingness for people to grapple with the the the, the ways in which we have been divided and to be honest about um, their own gains and advantages that result from injustice and imbalance and inequities in our society. That's all well and good. And that sounds, you know, very good on paper, but the reason that they're willing to do it is what is extraordinary is because people are tired of trading their humanity for material gains. And they are choosing in numbers and in ways that I have not witnessed, and I've been doing this work for a long time, um, very, very deep and a wide and a, and a far wider variety of people are just stepping in and it happens much quicker. So that speaks to the, the collective momentum Mm -hmm. Right. And so we used to do these, you know, do these camps before the pandemic when we first started this 2016 to 2017, you know, and it was like, okay, we have to have these definitions and we have to, and now it's just like, people are just right there. And, and so the work transpires more quickly. And so that's another uh, positive aspect of each of us doing our personal work is that we contribute to a momentum so that I would say if I were to make it up, I would say what used to take us uh, three days to get to, we're already at the three day work mark in, in a day. <laughs> and now we're doing, you know, we're already someplace else. And it's, and it's because people want to be whole, they want to be healed. They, they, they want to be healed. They're recognizing that these divisions are traumatizing, that they have been traumatized, that they've been carrying trauma and that they want to be healed from that trauma and they want to do it with other people. And that has been extraordinary. And it has been absolutely extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. I also resonate a lot with the speeding up. So what took three days before is one day or like, like that there's something is becoming more concentrated liquid. So that has a kind of intensification effect. It's, it's very interesting, like how the integration of some people furthers the healing of others. That's an amazing principle. I have so many things that I want to talk with you about, but maybe if there's like some last words for today, and um, I hope we can uh, meet again soon and and continue this conversation. I I love that you said underline. I I really want to underscore, you know, as a person that is sanctioned in a tradition as a teacher and all of those things, uh, what I have witnessed and what I know deeply in my heart to be true is that uh, the the work that we most need to do in these times is, is our personal work in the, in the presence of others. 
uh, it's not enough to just do personal work and it's not enough to just be in group work and forget that you are the collective. And it is, uh, there's no saint or there's no Roshi or Reverend or, uh, or, or Rinpoche that is out there that is going to save you. There's not a politician uh, there that is going to come up with the perfect, uh, you know, advocacy plan that we really are the ones we have been waiting for. Mm. It's been so often said, and now is the time that we've been waiting for, mm. uh, there is only one time in which our healing can happen. And that time is now. Lovely closure of uh, the journey that we are on here. And uh, very close. I feel very close to you. It, uh, it was touched many times by the authenticity of your words and by the transmission. So it's very beautiful. Thank you very much. It was a very lovely time for me here with you. Yeah, thank you. It's lovely to see you and uh, and to feel and reconnect with the resonance of your of your voice and and your truth and the just the deep heartfulness that I feel from you every time we are in a space. Mm, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Visit CollectorTraumaSummit.com to listen to more talks like this one and to sign up and be the first to know when the next Collector Trauma Summit is announced. Thanks for listening to Point of Relation with Thomas Hoover. Stay connected by visiting our website, pointofrelationpodcast.com, and by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a positive rating and review, and share about us with your community on social media. Thank you. We appreciate your support.